thought it was said and then all the songs about heaven. Uh, maybe I should have preached on heaven this morning. Uh, have your Bibles this morning. Let's open to Matthew chapter 22 this morning. Those of you that are going to heaven and you're saved and sure of it, and you can be sure of it, you can know, uh, according to the Bible, it said that uh, these things are written that you may know, and uh, those of you that are saved uh, need to pray for the ones that are in here today that are saved. And uh, we talked about that Wednesday night about how that uh, we always, uh, uh, years ago, there was a lost person in the church. Everybody knew it by the time service started. And uh, the main concern of all the congregation and the main focus was on invitation time and that lost person responding and getting saved. And, uh, and when that happened, and it did many times, uh, there was great rejoicing among the saints uh, because everybody had a part in it. Uh, everybody had been praying about it. It wasn't just one person that was praying for their lost friend that was here, but everybody was praying together. And then when there was an answer to that prayer, there was joint praise. Uh, everybody felt like they had a part in it. Uh, amen. And uh, so... Uh, so we want to pray for those today that uh, the Lord may be led this way that are not saved. And uh, we certainly want you to know it's God's will for you to be saved. He's not willing to any perish. And uh, Matthew 22, Jesus spake a parable there. And uh, beginning in verse 1, and it said, And Jesus answered and spake, a par- uh, spake again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son. And he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready, come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their ways one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wrought, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murders and burned up their cities. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they that were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore unto the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways, and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And uh, when the king came in to see the guest, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. Would you read verse 12 with me together? And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Thank you. You may be seated. Our fathers, we come this morning, Lord, we come, uh, Lord, into the throne room of grace, and we're thankful we have access. We know the password, Jesus. And we know, Lord, that you have promised that whatever we asked in your name, that you would do that our joy might be full. I thank You, Lord, that I've had many days of full joy this week because of many days of answered prayer. Lord, as we come this morning, Lord, we pray for 
the message today, and the Lord give us clarity of it. Help us, uh, uh, Lord, to not mishandle the Word of God. We wouldn't ever want to do that. But help us to be able to present the message today, and uh, Lord, and it might find a lodging place in that person today that is lost. Father, those of us that are saved, I pray that, uh, Lord, we might each time be, we hear a message each time that we might be more thankful that we're saved. And, uh, and God, each time that we read the Bible, and each time we pray, and each time, Lord, that we hear a sermon or hear a lesson, that, Lord, that our faith might be strengthened and our assurance might come stronger because we rested on the Word of God. Father, forgive me of my sins. Use me this morning and help me with my limitations. And I'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. amen. Jesus gives this parable that we refer to because that's what it's written over the top of it in our Bibles. The parable of the marriage feast or some say the parable of the wedding garment. Now, if you'd let me do this today, I want to remove it, if I may, from its dispensational setting. Uh, if we were to look at this passage of Scripture dispensationally, uh, we know that what Jesus spoke here, that He spoke uh, to the Jews because uh, they had refused the Lord and they're about to refuse Him for the very last time. And, uh, and the Lord is given this parable here uh, dispensationally. And if I might remove it doctrinally, because doctrinally it won't fit in the church age because of what happens in verse 13 and 14, that could never happen to somebody that entered in uh, to uh, the wedding place. But I want to practically use it today, if I might. I want to lift one verse, the one we read together this morning. And I'd like to use that uh, question asked there in a practical way. And he said, Friend, how camest thou in hither, having not a wedding garment on? And, uh, and I want to use this subject this morning, Why no wedding garment? Uh, you see, when we read this thing, we read some things that we can, we can find a similarity to even in the church age. In other words, the Bible said there's a king that's made a marriage for his son. We can identify with that. Uh, those of us that are saved, we are the uh, bride of Christ to be. We're espoused to Him according to what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse uh, or 10, or chapter 11 and verse 2. He talked about how we're espoused uh, to one husband. And uh, we know our Bible at the end of it, it talks about a great marriage supper. In uh, Revelations chapter 19, after all is over with and tribulations ended, uh, the Bible said, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor unto him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife hath made herself ready. We could say she's got her garment ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto them, Right blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. Well, we know we're all called unto that marriage supper of the Lamb. Men are called, but few are chosen, it says at the end of that. And, uh, and so we realize that. 
We know that weddings are special occasions, uh, more so in Bible days than they are our day. Uh, every now and then we'll, you know, we'll see somebody get married and they uh, make a lot more to do of it than maybe other people normally do. But in in the setting in which we find this, marriage is always a big festive occasion. And especially when we find one like we found here today. It's the king's son that's getting married. And so in Bible days, they didn't have uh, cell phones. They didn't have uh, even communicational ways. They didn't have... Uh, ways they could travel fast. Uh, and so oftentimes the invitation was sent out a long time before the wedding. And uh, they would send out an invitation, invite the person to come to the wedding. And then after a long enough time for that to be received and that uh, to be God or responded to, then uh, many times they would, uh, the king, he would furnish all the attire. I've been in weddings, and maybe some of you have been in weddings, where that ever who was getting married, they provided the tuxedo. Uh, they re- provided the bridesmaids' dresses, what they want them to wear. Uh, well, in Bible days, the king, uh, because of who he was and because of what he had, the king would invite uh, all. He wanted a good crowd there for the wedding. And he would invite people out and then he would provide them the wedding garment. In other words, they would receive the wedding garment before they went to the wedding or else they would get the the garment when they arrived at the wedding. But in in our parable here this morning, we have a setting here and all of that has taken place. And the wedding is furnished and it's time for the wedding. And the Bible said that the guests had come in, a great number now, because that the first many refused, all of them refused, they didn't want to go. But then he sent out another invitation, and in that he included the bad and the good. It's a picture of the Jew who did not want Christ, and uh, they refused Christ. Uh, and after they refused Christ, the Lord turned to the Gentiles. Uh, And he then invited all, uh, both the bad and the good. He invited all of them. And so with all that being said, they come down that day, uh, and the king comes in, and he looks around, uh, and he sees a man there that doesn't have a wedding garment on. And he asked that man, he said, Sir, he said, Why don't you have a wedding garment on? The man was speechless. He never responded. But I want to I give just a couple of things this morning about why that he might not have had a wedding garment on. And uh, thinking about in the same sense why that many are going to die and they're not going to be clothed with that garment of salvation. We look at that this morning and I think about this man and I'm thinking about why that he would have refused a wedding garment uh, and uh, I got to thinking about this, uh, that maybe, maybe he was like Naaman. You say, what Naaman have to do with it? Well, don't you remember when Naaman uh, was a leper? And uh, God sent a little maid down there to work for Naaman, and she told Naaman about the prophet and 
how that if he'd go over there that God could cure him of his leprosy. And so Naaman, uh, he, he takes a word for it. I mean, he don't want to be a leper. He takes a wor- his word for it. And he goes and tells the, the king of Israel. And uh, he gives him uh, some things to take. And he takes uh, uh, some silver and some gold and ten changes of raiment. And he goes down there to the king of Israel. And Naaman brings all this stuff. And the king of Israel, he's a little bit smarter than Naaman is. Uh, and he said, I'm not God. Uh, he said, I can't do this. Uh, uh, he said, uh, there's, there's no way I can help you. I can't recover you from your leprosy. And he sends him to the man of God named Elijah. And he goes down to Elijah's house and, and he pulls up there in his chariot and he's standing there at the door with his chariot and his horses and the finest of all. And Elijah just sends word out there and says, tell him to go down to muddy Jordan and dip himself down there seven times and he'll be alright. But that wasn't what Naaman wanted. Uh, Naaman thought that him being who he was, that even though he had leprosy, he was a great general. Uh, Even though he had leprosy, he was a uh, man of prestige in the place where he lived. Uh, And the Bible said in verse 11 that he got wroth. He was angry. He was mad. Uh, because Elisha didn't do it the way he wanted it done. And he said, Behold, I thought. You see, a lot of people get a perceived idea in their mind about how God ought to do things, about how that things are going to happen. Well, you see, that's the way Naaman was. He done had it in his mind how it would be when he got cured of his leprosy. And many a person has missed Christ and not got saved because they had it in their mind. They thought the way it would be. They thought they'd see something, hear something. They thought they would be very emotional. They thought it might be a lot of different things. And for some it might have been all that. But that don't mean it was going to be that for you. And uh, I wonder if this man in his mind, uh, uh, he wasn't thinking, well, uh, uh, what I got's good enough. Uh, uh, what I got will work and it won't matter. You know, there's a lot of people like that and they say it don't matter whether you're Baptist or Catholic or Pentecostal or Church of Christ. It don't matter what you are. Uh, uh, well, uh, that's partly true. Uh, but the only thing about it, it may not matter what you are, uh, uh, but you better hear the truth where you are uh, uh, so that you can get saved and, and know the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, uh, you see, it's not what you think and it's not what I think. Uh, it's what God says. Do you know the Bible says that our thoughts are not always God's thoughts? Now sometimes my thoughts are God's thoughts. Sometimes I'm right in line with what God's thinking. But other times I thought my thoughts was God's thoughts. Uh, uh, But in the way that things played out, I realized that my thoughts were not nothing in line with what God was wanting to do. You understand what I'm saying? And so this man, I think he thought it didn't make any difference what you got on. I think he thought it don't make no difference... Uh, uh, thinking in our realm, it don't make no difference if you're Baptist or if you're Church of Christ. Just so you go to church, just pick out one. Go to the church of your choice. Well, God does have a church that's His choice. 
You say, what is it? It's the true church of Jesus Christ. You can always identify it, not by name, but you can always identify it by what it teaches. Amen? And so this man, maybe he didn't get a wedding garment because in his mind he thought, well, I'll be alright with what I got on. Friend, don't try to make it into heaven with what you got on. Amen. You see, you remember that story of the prodigal son who could forget it. We, we won't let you forget it. We all preach on it hundreds of times because it's such a great, great chapter in the Word of God. Amen. But you know what happened to that prodigal son? He left the father's house and he got down in the far country. You know the famine came. You know the feast and ended. The friends forsook him. You know all of that. But we find him coming down at the end of the story there. We find that he's in the far country and he's got far country clothing on. You say, what do you mean? Well, he's broke. He ain't got no money. He can't buy no new threads. He's got no credit. He's bankrupt. He can't charge a new suit. So no doubt what he's got on is he's got on what we call the clothes of the far country. And after being that way for a long time and after being consigned to a job of feeding hogs. Has anybody ever fed hogs? Alright, we got, we got several hog feeders here today. We probably got more hog eaters than we do hog feeders. Amen. But you cannot feed hogs without getting it all over you. And there was a man that was feeding hogs and he's got his clothes on. He's got far country clothes on. I guess we could say by the time we come to that part of the story, I guess we could say he's dressed in filthy rags. You know what Isaiah said about the best you and I can get out of our closet, spiritually speaking? He said the very best we have is nothing but filthy rags in the sight of God. Uh, uh, you see, this man went to this wedding feast uh, and uh, he had on, uh, uh, he might have had on the best he had on. Maybe it wasn't filthy rags. Maybe he had on the best he could put on. Uh, but your best ain't good enough. Amen, Amen. isn't that right? And do you remember the, how that story ended? How that he one day he said, I'm tired of these rags. I'm tired of this stench. I'm tired of this hunger. I'm start, tired of no friends. And he said, I know what I'll do. I, I'll rise and go to my father's house. And I'll say, Father, I've sinned against heaven before thee and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Just make me as one of thy hired servants. And he came and the father ran and fell on him and kissed him. Uh, uh, but did you know, did you notice this? Uh, that when his thinking changed, uh, uh, when his thinking changed, uh, his clothes changed. Uh, the father said, bring the best robe uh, and put it on him. Amen. Uh, uh, you see... Uh, for most of us and all of us, that when our thinking changes and we realize that we don't know as much as God uh, and we do have to do what God says do uh, and we do repent, we do call upon the Lord, we do get saved. Uh, uh, when our thinking changed, uh, our garments changed. Amen. Uh, uh, we're no longer clothed in the filthiness of our own righteousness, uh, but we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ today. Thank God. Uh, well, I don't know that happened, but could have. 
Maybe it was his size. You say, what do you mean? Maybe, maybe he was a great, big, large man. Or maybe he was a little small man. You say, what's that got to do with it? Well, maybe he thought he was so big that the king wouldn't have nothing to feed him. Or maybe he thought he was so little that he didn't need nothing or what the king had wouldn't fit him. Now let's pull that over. You say, I don't want let's pull that over into our, into our dispensation, our time. And do you know there's people that's going to die? They're not going to have the garment on. They're not going to be ready for heaven because they thought God didn't have nothing to fit them. Oh, 40 years I've had people tell me, Preacher, uh, preacher, uh, that may be for others, but it ain't for me. Uh, salvation's for everybody. Jesus said, whosoever will, let him come. It's for everybody, amen. You see, there's some people that they don't think they need it because they're such a little sinner. They'll express it this way. They'll say, well, preacher, I'm just not that bad. I mean, I might drink a little bit every now and then, but I wouldn't get drunk. I might gamble a little bit, buy a little lottery ticket along, but it ain't nothing I can't quit anytime I want to. I'm really not that bad a fella. I'm really just a little sinner. Tell a little, I tell a little, what do they call it? Black lie? White lie? Every now, I'll stretch the truth every now and then, but I ain't no liar. Well, I give some to the church when I, when I get time to go. I ain't no thief. Oh, I might, I might take a dollar or two every now and then if I get a chance and cash register person messes up or I might find that out and just keep it, but I, I'm, I'm just a little sinner. A lot of people like that. I've had people tell me that doing personal work. Well, preacher, I'm just not really that bad a sinner. I think about Billy Mitchell in a revival, and Brother Mitchell was preaching revival, and the man's wife belonged to the church, and, and she asked uh, the pastor if he would take Brother Mitchell out to see her husband. And uh, he was a pretty well-to-do man and kind of upstanding in the community. And Billy went out there and he said he sat, let the pastor do most of the talking. And they talked about fishing and hunting and all different things that men might talk about. And he said when they finally come down to the end, they invited him to church. And the man looked at Billy and he said, Oh, he said, I don't go to church, Brother Mitchell. But he said, I'm a, I'm a pretty good fella. He said... I'm not too bad a fellow. I ain't done nothing really bad. And Brother Mitchell, they were getting up to leave, and he's, Brother Mitchell started out the door not even looking at the man, and he said, no, you've not done too much bad other than just killed a man. And the man said, wait a minute. What do you mean by that? He said, Jesus Christ died on the cross for sinners. You're one of them. And we all are guilty by association." And boy, that man got red-faced and he didn't like it and they went on out and they said they had a meeting on Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night 
And on Thursday night, that fellow come walking in. He come walking down the aisle. He said, I've thought about what you said all week. He got down in the altar and got saved by the grace of God. He found out that he wasn't a little sinner as what he thought he was. And on the other spectrum, I've talked to people and they say, Preacher, that ain't for me. I'm too big a sinner. I am a drunk. I do run around with women. I do gamble. I, I do do all these things. I'm just too big a sinner and I don't think God's got anything to fit me. Well, I want to tell you something. A sinner's a sinner. It don't matter if you're a big sinner or if you're a little sinner, you're a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Some big sins, some little sins, if you want to categorize them and you want to put them in a column, some big sins and some little sins, but all sin. But do you know what the Apostle Paul said? He said, I am the chiefest of sinners. In other words, he said, I'm the biggest sinner that could ever be. But God had something to fit him. God's got something to fit people that call themselves little sinners, God's got something to fit you too. You see, in salvation, one size fits all. It's like down at the hospital. Jack Laster said he went to the hospital weighing about 400 plus pounds. And the lady, they come in there and said, take your clothes off and put this on. He said it was a little gown with a rip down the back and a string to tie it. And Jack said, I, he said, I don't think it's a fit me. She said, one size fits all. Jack said, I put that on wrong. <laughs> but salvation's not that way. Salvation, the grace of God the blood of Jesus Christ, the robe of righteousness, it'll fit anybody, amen. A, a big sinner, little sinner, medium-sized sinner, it'll fit anybody, thank God. Could have been his size. And then, I think about this, you know, a lot of people's got it in their mind, they're, they're like old Simon the sorcerer over in Acts 8. I won't read it all, but you read it sometime. There was a certain man there called Simon. And the Bible said, Which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, given out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. Talk about Philip. I was talking about Simon. And to him they had regard because that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching of the things concerning the kingdom of God and in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women, then Simon himself believed also. You say, was he saved? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It depends on how you want to read that. And we may have to wait till we get to heaven to find out. You say, how will we know if he ain't there? But... They began at that point, they were given the Holy Ghost by the laying on of hands. And when they saw them laying hands and people receiving the 
Holy Ghost. The Bible said, boy, he liked that. And he got some money out and he said, I want to give money so that I can have this great power of God. You see, his main mistake was that he thought the things of God could be bought with money. And maybe that was this man's problem is that he thought you had to buy these things and he couldn't afford them and his problem was the reason he didn't have one was because of his finances. There's a lot of people that don't get saved because they think they're going to have to tithe. They're going to have to give up their business. They're, they're going to have to do something that's going to cost them financially. He thought he couldn't afford it, and he couldn't, he couldn't afford it. The good thing about salvation is we don't have to buy it. You say, why? Because if we had to buy it, we couldn't afford it. You go to Smoky Mountains and it costs you $2,000 if you stay a few days. How much you think it costs to go to heaven and stay there for eternity? Why, you couldn't afford it, amen. But I'm glad the things of God, I'm glad the things of God are free, thank God. I'm glad salvation's free, heaven's free. I'm glad there's some things that's, that, that's free. Now there's things you have to, uh, you have to, they're not free, like the power of God. Uh, you have to pray about that. You have to fast. You have to work on that. Bible knowledge, you got to study to get it. But thank God, salvation's free this morning. It's free. You see, the invitation didn't say one thing about money, did it? Look at it there in your Bible. He said, Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as you find, bid to the marriage. No, no, no mention of cost. No mention of, of having to pay monthly payments or installments. Some people think they get saved on installment plan. And it's like the things you buy on installment plan. They think it works that way as long as they go to church a little bit every month, read their Bible a little bit every month, pray a little bit every month, they make their installment payment and they get to keep their salvation. But if the devil moves in and they don't go to church and they don't give their tithes that week and all like that, they think they lose their salvation. Salvation is not on an installment plan. Jesus paid cash for it on the cross of Calvary. It's paid for. He even said it was finished. The invitation said nothing about money. God doesn't have to have your money. The Bible said, He said, All the silver's mine, all the gold's mine. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The world is mine, the fullness thereof. God don't have to have my little old tithe. But God lets me get in on it, amen. God says, here, son, it's mine, but you keep 90% of it and just give me 10%, son. That's a great deal right there, amen. That's a great deal. But salvation's got nothing to do with tithing. Got nothing to do with it. That's, that gets into servanthood. And the insinuation in the Bible is 
that the things of God, especially salvation, are free. You say, where's that at? Both Testaments. But in Isaiah 55, the old prophet says, Ho! Everyone that thirsteth come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, my ears perked up. He that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money. I know a lot of people buy without money because they put it on a credit card. But he's not talking about a credit card. He's saying you can come and get the things of God without money. You say, why? Because they're free. Salvation's free, praise God. Boy, we're going to realize what that means someday when we get there. And we realize Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Thank God it's free. Wouldn't it be awful to miss heaven because you thought you couldn't afford it? Jesus paid it all. Could it have been that it was none of those things? It was none of those things. And he really intended to get a garment. He really was going to. But he was just too busy. He was like old King Ahab over there when he spared Benadad. Over in, uh, over in 1 Kings 20. And the prophet comes along. And it's kind of like when Nathan went to David about Bathsheba. And the old prophet makes up a little parable, a little story. And he tells him this and that. And then in verse 40 he says, And as thy servant was busy here and there, as thy servant was busy here and there, he was gone. In other words, he's saying, I was busy here, I was busy there, and while I was doing all this, the important thing got away. A lot of people are going to go to hell like that. Amen. Too busy. He meant to pick it up, but he just didn't have time. I was going to get saved, but I just didn't have time to go to church. That's an answer people give me sometimes. Invite them to church and they'll say, Oh, preacher, I'm busy. I'm so busy. Why, the only day I have off Sunday. Some of them don't even get that off. And they say, I'm so busy, I've got to get up early Monday. The kids are in school. We got ball games. We got all these things. We really intend to come, but we're just so busy. But you know what? We know that this man wasn't too busy to go to the wedding because he's there. And you know you're not going to be too busy to die. And you know you're not going to be too busy to stand before God. You're going to find time for that. You're going to make time for that. And the Bible said that this man, that he said, I'm just busy here and there. Verse 12 of Matthew 22 said, The Lord said, How came thou in hither? Had time to get in there. He had time to get that garment. Nobody's going to hell because they didn't get time. To get saved. 
You're not that busy. God, I'm, I promise you that God has come to you time and time again if you've got any age at all on you. And I promise you that you had time right then to hear God and listen to God and get saved right then. You had time. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians 6 and 2, Now is the accepted time. You've got time right now to get saved. You say, Preacher, I've got to be somewhere this evening. They'll wait. Death won't. You had time to get it. Now, let's come down to the shocking conclusion of this thing in verse 11. And when the king came in to see the guest, he saw their man. Hundreds of people there, thousands of people there. He saw a man. How was that? Well, when, when people do a wedding, they'll say, Preacher, now if you got it, wear blue. Our color scheme's going to be blue. Wear blue. Bridesmaids' dresses are all the same. When you study this thing out, the history of it is that the king would provide that elaborate wedding garment to be wore. He would, he, would, he would get them all of the same color. All of the same color. And so everybody in that room's got the same color on when the king walks in, but one guy. He spots him just like that. Did you know the Lord's looking down on this congregation right now? And just like that, I can't tell... You all look about the same to me. You got different colored clothes on, but nice clothing. You all look the same to me. But God looks on the heart. And there's some hearts that have been washed in the blood, made white, and there's some hearts that are black with sin because they've never been washed in the blood. He wasn't expecting the king to call him out. Well, there's all kinds of people there. You'll never notice me in a crowd like that. No, everybody, everybody on the planet is going to stand before the king. Maybe different times, but everybody's going before the king. One by one. And when the king asked the question, how did you come in here without a wedding garment on? It was an insult to the king. You say, why? Well, it was his son's wedding. Number one. Number two, the king had spent all this money, went to all this trouble. And the person didn't even care enough just to come by and get the garment and put it on. That's the way with a sinner this morning. God has went to all this trouble. He's prepared all that place we sung about and heard about this morning. God sent His Son to die on the cross to pay the ultimate cost uh, for the garment of salvation and to say no to God is an insult to the King. The Bible said, He said to him, Friend, how come thou in here having not a wedding garment on? And somebody said, Well, I'll explain it to the Lord and He'll understand. 
The Bible said he was speechless. There was nothing left to say. Have you ever had somebody to correct you or in such a way that there was nothing else to say? There was no way to respond. That's the way it's going to be to people that don't get saved. The king's question was how. We might, we might better say why. When it's all been provided, it's been made as easy as what it could be made, why would anybody not have the robe of righteousness? Then the king's commandment. He says in verse 13, Then said the king to the servants, Bind them hand and foot, and take them away, and cast them in the outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, that may not fit in this dispensation, but it will fit before the throne of God. The people that die lost and don't know Jesus Christ, uh, He'll say, Depart from me, I never knew you. They'll be weeping and wailing and gnashing teeth. Back to the beginning of the message and the beginning question, why no wedding garment? I'm glad that a long time ago I got an invitation to not just go to the wedding but be part of the bride. And I'm just glad that a long time ago when I accepted the king's request and requirements that he called me with a robe of righteousness. And I'm glad when it comes time, the rapture, rapture or death or after the judgment seat of Christ and we go to the wedding marriage supper of the Lamb, I'm glad. I'm glad that I got my garment. I ain't worried about the king saying, what'd you come in here for without a garment? I got it! Got it. It's odd how that wording is in Revelation 19. said the, the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. It's odd. We know, we know our righteousness is in Jesus Christ. But I've heard some comment. They said some... Some, your, your works have nothing to do with salvation, and I believe that. But said your works may have something to do with what you look like when you go before the king. Maybe. Some of them's got going to have a long wedding garment on, they're going to have mini skirts. Some's going to have a halter top. A muscle shirt. Now, I don't understand all the wording of that verse, but I read about a woman, and every day this woman had a little shop, and every day people would come in, they'd come out. And that woman would always be sewing and working on and making something every day and the same thing. And they asked the woman one day, a man come in there, and he said, Ma'am, he said, don't you ever get tired working on that and sewing on that? Don't you ever get tired of doing that day after day? And she brightened up and her eyes brightened up immediately and she said, no sir, this is my wedding gown. Well, I'm not saved by works, but I don't ever get tired of doing a little work because God, when He saved me, He put something in me that made me want to do some good works. Amen. Amen. 
And I don't never get tired of working on it a little bit. And I don't know how it's going to be, but I just know this. I got my wedding garment. Have you got yours? And if you don't, you need to pick it up this morning. Because we may be going to the wedding real soon. Father, I, I thank you this morning for the folks that come sit and listen today.